we're Aussies and we're Kiwis. <coughs> we, are, we are dual citizens, so we, we live in both countries and we're backwards and forwards. And I think we've done uh, five shifts to, to New Zealand and or here. Part of that has been business, part of it's been church. So our expression, you'll hear a little bit about that, I guess, over the day and uh, over the next weekend, maybe. But uh, we just really want to share the love of Christ with you today and some principles from the Word of God that will help us, I trust, to connect into uh, God afresh today. Can we say amen? amen. Uh, Judith, I don't want to st- steal her ground, so she's going to come and say one or two things about uh, family for a minute. We, we have, uh, she, why don't you come? We have uh, uh, five daughters, we have 15 grandchildren. Uh, they're across both countries, so we're across both countries. And, uh, and so here we are. And this is, this is Judith. This is 50 years ago. 50 years ago, last September. I'm saying that. Oh, you're saying that. She's going to say that. <laughs> um, we've been married over 50, 50 years, years ago. I met this live wire husband. <laughs> anyway, um, and that was last, last September. We celebrated 50 years of marriage and we were married. <laughs> Doesn't she look pretty good? Well looked after? Don't you think well looked after? <laughs> Anyway, um, my life changed forever from that point. <laughs> and um, 12 months later, um, I gave birth to these twin girls. But I didn't know I was having twins. So that was my first Mother's Day almost 50 years ago. And I went to the hospital to get one baby. And there were two babies. <laughs> so it, it was the biggest shock to me and everybody. <laughs> But, and, and then today, um, we're celebrating on this Mother's Day, our other daughter who was born 19 months later on Mother's Day. So she has just turned 48. And, she's, and then we had another, I think, three, three after that. <laughs> but anyway, I'm so grateful to God in, in giving me these beautiful children. Was, a lot of it wasn't planned, and I think I only planned two children, and I don't know where the other three came from, but I'm so gracious to God that he entrusted those children in there my care. There they are care. behind you. And you over... Know? Pardon? Oh, there they are. <laughs> All of them. So, um, and when I was 45, I had another daughter. So she was a big surprise. And so she's only 29, and our oldest daughter's uh, 49. 49, that's right. So all those years I've been a mother, and I'm a homemaker, and I've really loved being a mum. And I want to honour my mother today, because she passed away when she was just 60. And I thought, oh, my gosh, how am I going to cope without a mother? And we had the three children then, and I thought... That's so unfair, God. How, how am I going to cope without my mother? She used to sew and make things and knit things. And then I thought, dear God, he gave me the strength to cope. And I used to sit sewing all their dresses and knitting all their jumpers and everything like that. And over the years, God enabled me and gave me strength. Even while we've been in ministry and shifted a lot of times and gone to different churches, God has been my source of strength. 
I found the Lord and my parents taught me to church when I was just a little girl and I found the Lord when I was a young girl and he's been the answer to my life and we've all got a different journey to walk. I don't know why that happened to me, my journey, but we've all got a different walk and God um, came into my life when I was a young girl and he's been my shepherd, he's been my friend and life isn't always easy, is it? We go through dark times challenging times but he's been my friend and he never forsakes me because he loves me and he loves all of you here today and you might not have a mum today but God is there he is your here's your mother and here's your father and he never forsakes us and I give God all the glory today and I look at my daughters and I'm so proud of them they've stood on their own two feet they've got families now and I'm so grateful for all of them. They've been such a blessing to me. And I know Trevor's going to bless you now with this wonderful word. Amen. Amen. God. Give it back to you. Give it back to you. <laughs> wonderful. It was great to be with you today. And thank you for the invitation, Larry and Krista, pastors, and, and uh, just the church here. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, great to be with you, to be able to share uh, the word of the Lord, and I trust that will be helpful to us all today. Thank you, bless you. And, and uh, uh, our background is a little bit, I suppose, Larry means, but just to give a little bit of an understanding, it might just help you, but I do have a business background, probably in our early uh, married life. I think we, I was 20, uh, 24 years of age, and I went into my first senior uh, management role. Uh, and, and from there, it's kind of like we, we carried business as a real passion in our life. It remains a passion in our life today. Uh, today, I, I, I provide a consultancy service to business. That means I'm inside the business to try and help to see how the, how the business can grow, how it can develop, how it can be more profitable. If it's kind of hit some blockages, it's how do we get those un, untapped so that the business can do better. So I do that in business still today uh, as a consultant. Uh, the other aspect of me is, is the church life. Church life has been a real passion of our life, and we, we are totally committed to the things of God and to the building of the house of God. Can we say amen? And uh, we've had that from our day one uh, when we came together. Uh, those days, I was involved very much. Both of us were in Youth for Christ, and that was our kind of a coming together period. And, uh, and from there, and then I was a youth leader uh, in a church. We grew that from uh, nothing to about 160 uh, young people, which is very vibrant. Uh, at the time and, and uh, created a lot of uh, possibilities and opportunity, I guess, to be able to bring young people through to Christ. As time went on, uh, we then, was, uh, that's when I was transferred into another town to, uh, to manage a food distribution company for all the food for all of Mid-Canterbury. And uh, that, was, that was our role. So I continued in Youth for Christ in those days. We became involved in what's known as a, uh, a new life movement in New Zealand. It's a stream of churches. They're about uh, 90 strong today, uh, right through the country. And we continue to minister there and minister with them and, and through the country. Uh, we, we started a, our first uh, church, pioneered our first church, and probably in our early stages of life as well. Uh, I think our twins were... Well, maybe around um, six or seven years of age at that stage, and we began to pioneer a church. So just kind of this, this morning, some of the memories of that come back uh, to me as we started with, it was about 
16 young people. It really was a starting point. We had a Sunday afternoon meeting, uh, which we enjoyed being able to share the Word of God. It grew from the 16 to the 30 to the 40 to the 50 to the 60. The church is full. And so we're out of there. And where do we go next? Well, so we bought a church. It was an old Baptist church. I've been in their area there for a long time. Uh, in fact, they've been there for 45 years and they never grew beyond 40 people. And uh, the question was from them to us really was, why would you buy a church to that extent when, when we've been here for so long? And uh, this is the result of that. That church held 100 people. We thought, oh, that's going to last us for some time. And, uh, and so we were in there. But within six months, it grew from the 60 to 100. And now this church, little church now was full, which we thought would be there for years. So as we began to grow into that out the back, we had an old um, army barracks. We turned that into a church auditorium. That would hold 180 people. And we moved out into the back of that, used the front then for a teaching, a training, a development, administration, uh, and so on. And, uh, and that became a very vibrant uh, life church. Actually became the beginning of revival. A church grew up to the 170 people, 180 people very quickly. And uh, until we had people that just sat around the floors uh, and people with the seats were all full, uh, the floor was full and people sitting on uh, the windowsills. It was a revival, six, seven years of absolute revival. We didn't know where to go to from there. We tried to negotiate land from the council, which was next door. We couldn't secure that. So we bought a hotel. And uh, that was 100 metres down the road. So we bought the hotel and we turned that into a, uh, initially for young people. Uh, upstairs we used that for, uh, for taking people in that needed to be looked after, cared for, etc. As in a lot of the people we saw get saved in those days were a lot of young people. They were the hippies or the surfies or the druggies. They were the gangs. Uh, all of them came into the life of the church. Totally changed, transformed, and, uh, but they were taken out of, out of those churches. So that was a very, very busy season for us. Uh, the, the, now the church is full down the road. The hotel is full. And so we bought a block of shops over the road. Had two commercial shops downstairs, two two-bedroom flats upstairs. So we bought that and we moved all our administration from the hotel across the road. And that became the administration centre while we continued to work within uh, the, uh, the, uh, the hotel. Became a training school, became a Bible school, became a short-term Bible school, a uh, mission school. Uh, and, and, so, and so it just all unwound. And so now the church down the road is full, the hotel is full, this is working at its capacity, but we still had land. And uh, so we then uh, built an auditorium. An auditorium, a seat 400 people, uh, and we attached that to the side of the hotel. Hotel was open for business as a cafe, as a uh, whatever, whatever. Cafe, milkshakes, young people opened and so on. And that flowed in through the hotel. And we made all those things work for the purpose of the church. That was a tremendous season in our life. Seven, six or seven years of absolute full-on uh, total revival. And uh, if you want to hear about revival sometime, happy to share it with you. But there's a commitment involved in that. How many know there's a commitment involved in that? How many know that people require commitment? How many know to build the church of God requires a commitment? How many know that today if we're going to build the church, it's going to require a commitment? 
It's great to see Alan here today. We came across Alan going back into probably the late 80s or early 90s. Uh, we connected and it's, uh, we've kind of been friends ever since. And uh, we come backwards and forwards and we connect and reconnect. So he knows a little bit of our story uh, over time as well. Each one of our girls are doing very, very well. Their families are growing well and they're doing well. They're all in the house of God uh, one way or another in one place or another across the city here today. Uh, two of our grandchildren are uh, uh, now already uh, pastors uh, in their own right uh, uh, in churches within the city. And, uh, and so we see the generation, we see the work, the will, the purpose, the Word of God going on and on and on. Can we say amen? amen. From business, my last assignment in business was here actually down in Leongatha, about 100 kilometres from here. Uh, thereabouts, and that was uh, I was in, uh, asked or engaged to uh, oversee and build a retirement village. Retirement village from nothing, a very elevated uh, ground, so it required a lot of planning and development for all of that. It was a boutique village, uh, 45 <coughs> villas, uh, and and, uh, and the clubhouse or the swimming, the, the warm swimming pool, lovely pool, and the and the bowling green, and and so over a three-year period. We took that from nothing to stage two with the clubhouse uh, 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 fully functioning, uh, residence in the first uh, 15, 20 uh, villas, uh, and, and then it's gone on uh, from, to, uh, from there. Hallelujah. So that's kind of, that was our last major business uh, venture and all of that. There is a scripture, if you have your Bibles with you today, it's in Psalm 127. I'll just make a statement at the beginning here today. It might just be helpful to you as well. I believe that we are all builders. Everybody say we're a builder. We're not necessarily a builder in the sense that we got the hammer and the saw and the nails and all of that stuff, but we're all building something. We are all builders of something. We are builders of homes. We are builders of churches. We are builders of families. We are builders of communities. We are builders. I want you to think of yourself today as a builder as we look at these three scriptures today. Is that okay? So we see here then in, in the background, this is Psalm 127, and this is the Lord talking about building the house. And it starts off by saying, except the Lord build the house, they that labour build in vain. Is that what it says? And then he goes on a little further and he says this. I'll read these few verses to you. Except the watchman uh, wakes, he wakes in vain over, over the city here. And you've got a city here. You're a watchman over the city here. But if the Lord is not in it, he says, then you are doing it in vain. It's vain. It's empty. It doesn't have that purpose to it. And then he goes down in verse, uh, th- verse 3 and it says, Lo, children are a, her- a heritage of the Lord. They are the fruit of the womb. They are his reward. They are like arrows in the hand of a mighty, uh, a mighty man. So the children of the youth. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of it. Hallelujah. Our quiver is full. How many know it takes five kids to fill a quiver? <laughs> but it says that the kids, what are they? What are the children? So children are a heritage of the Lord. Children are like arrows that are in the hand of a skilled person. In other words, what it was an archer do, he takes, he takes one of the arrows out of this quiver He puts it onto the bow and he shoots it off into a place for a purpose. Our children are like the arrows that have been plied to the bow and they've gone out beyond the house and taken what's been 
established in their hearts and in their lives, and now they are reproducing it in another place. Can you say amen? Uh, that's why we have children. Uh, children, so they are an extension to us. Uh, we can't do all that our children do today. We can't do what all our grandchildren do today. But we can, through them, give to them wisdom and help and instruction and understanding that help them to do the work of the Lord as an extension to us. Can you say amen? Uh, hallelujah. That's what this is about. Uh, so we, we are building four houses. We build. All of us are involved in four houses. Number one, <coughs> the first house is to build this one. We haven't got time to look into these, but I, I, need to, I need to bring them to your attention because of where I'd like to take this today. But the first house that we're building is this one. The Scripture says you are a temple. You are the temple of God. You are His temple. So this house here is the first house to build. We build it with the Word of God, with the understanding of God, with the work of God, with the purposes of God, with the work of the Holy Spirit working in my life to make me an instrument of God. Can you say amen? So the first house that we build is this house. Can you say amen? amen? The second house you build is the family house. You saw it on the wall. That's our family house. That's our house. And so we built our house. And then it talks of that here in the context, and that's having the children. So what's about building our house? I'll tell you what building the house is about. It's about having the children. It's about teaching them the word of the Lord. It's about teaching the disciplines of life. It's, talk, it's teaching them about, uh, about the Word of God. It's teaching them about values and what's important and what's not important. It's uh, teaching them how to live. It's teaching them how to do the housework. <laughs> yes, can you say amen? It's teaching them how to run the house. <coughs> you don't like that one. Okay, we'll move on to the next house. The next house that we're building is his house. He says, that's our Father's house. What's our Father's house? Our Father's house is His house. Jesus said in, in uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 16, He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. I'll try, but they won't prevail against His house. Can you say amen? Uh, so that's the third. That's the third house. We're all involved in that. Okay. So this is how we this is how we build the house today. This is how I build the house. So we go from instructing our children to helping to instruct the church. This is what we try to do. See, this is spiritual warfare. We 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 teach or preach or help the church to grow in this in this world of evil and darkness that we see and that we live in today. This helps them to do that. So we write resources to help the church to build the church. Can you say amen? Uh, and then we're here, we have build the local church. What's it mean to build the local church? It's the same as building the house, teaching the children, discipline, teaching the word, teaching them how to grow, teaching them how to know a heavenly father. Can you say amen? Uh, so the resources, uh, it's helping people to get vision in their life because without a vision, we perish, fade away, run wild, we go nowhere. Without a vision, the house is to help them uh, or, or we help the people, we equip the saints of God uh, to help them to do the work of ministry. 
Why? Because we're building His house. Uh, hallelujah. Can you say amen? Uh, and you're not excited yet? Well, there you are. This is a development of you. Uh, the Bible says, I pray that you be in whole in spirit, soul and body. Uh, this is what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, and what's he trying to tell us? He's trying to say you are three parts. Uh, spirit, soul, body. You need to build your spirit. Uh, need to build your soul. Uh, need to look after this outward person here. Need to build this person. Can you say this? Well built. I've just got to kind of say, <coughs> she reminds us every day about that. <coughs> and, then, <coughs> and then build, build foundations. Of, oh, sorry, I won't. <coughs> so, so I'm slimming down. No, no. <coughs> well, I do. I slim down a little bit, and then I go and get some rewards. <laughs> And the, and the rewards balance me back up again. Sorry. <laughs> so did we see this here? So except the Lord build the house, we labour in vain in what we are building. We've got to build the house. We've got to build this house. We've got to build our house. We've got to build his house. And then the fourth one is he says, I'll build your house. I go to my father's house where there are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. I tell you what, he's building me a house, but it's not ready. That's why I'm still here. But when it's ready, he'll say, come and get your keys. It's time to take up residence in my house. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Well, there you are. That's the Kiwi side of me coming out now. (laughs) Can we come over to Romans chapter 4? Is this all right? Is this okay? Oh, dear. So what is a house? A house is a reflection. I just made a couple of notes here this morning. I was just kind of pondering a little bit more about house. I thought, what's the parallel between building the house and building his house? It's exactly the same. Our house, I'll talk about family house, is a place of reflection of God in the community. It's a place of influence in the community. It's a place of love and compassion. It's a place of acceptance. It's a place of embracing people. One thing that we've always had in our home has been an open home. I mean, people come and go all of the time. And their children go up and I walk into their house and I oh my goodness me, there's another 10 people here. Oh, I think we'll go home. See, but it's, it's, so they've learned. Where do they learn? Where do they learn to accept people from wherever to come and to be part of whatever, 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 whatever. That's what it's about. Are you with me? Are you with me here? Are you with me? See, it's a place of influence, a place of welcoming. These are the same as the church, see? What's the church? Place of reflection of God, place of influence, place of love and compassion, place of acceptance. Our homes, personal, is a place of welcoming people. House of God, place of welcoming people. If you're visiting here today, welcome. Welcome to the house of God, the place of love and friendship. <laughs> Can you say Amen. And if you come early enough, it's a place of coffee and cake. <laughs> it's a place of discipline. It's a place of discipling. Our kids were disciplined. They were discipled. To be what? To be followers of Christ. Why? It says that when they left the home, they would follow through and they would do the same. 
So when people get into the house of God, what do we do with them here? Well, we bring them into fellowship. We bring discipline into their life. We bring teaching into the house. We bring order into their lives. We, we make them an instrument. We, we help them to grow and to develop. It's a place of fellowship. The home's a place of fellowship. Church is a place of fellowship. It's a place of sharing. It's a place of eating. You take all of that, and that's what we are to the community here. Are you with me? You can have that for nothing. <coughs> Here, if you come with me to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. We're into about two today, is it? Is it, is it? Larry nodded. He said, yeah, that's fine. Mm. Yeah. Uh, see, there you are. <laughs> Thank you, I got the nod. <laughs> here it is. This is an important passage of Scripture here. The backdrop, the backdrop to this passage is that God had made a promise. Has anybody ever received a promise from God? Has anybody received a promise from God and it's not yet been fulfilled? How do you feel about that? Talk to me. You who? It's coming. What else do you feel? You who? Excited. Because it's coming? Because he's spoken, but he hasn't done. How do we feel? Because he hasn't done yet. I'll tell you how I feel. I'm frustrated. <laughs> Why speak to me and you do nothing about it? <laughs> eh? But he speaks to this man, woman, her name's Abraham, Sarah. He said, I, I'm going to extend you well beyond you into the nations. Amen. So he begins to think about that and ponders and he reaches 70 and the word of the Lord has still not come to pass and so he gets to 80 and there's still no word comes to pass and his wife gets to 90 and there's still no word comes to pass. I mean, come on. God, what's the story here? You said, but you haven't done. Huh? But here they're saying, no, they weren't like that. But that's the backdrop. And it says this in verse 13 of chapter 4, Romans. For the promise that he should be an heir of the world. It wasn't given to Abraham or to his seed through the law, Old Testament, which is all they knew. But it was through righteousness of faith. It was through believing what God had said. And then he comes to verse 16 and he says this, <clears throat> therefore it is a faith that it might be by grace. It is a faith so that it might be by grace. <clears throat> what is grace? Grace is the divine ability and favour of God to work upon the heart of man to do that and to fulfil that which he wants to do that we can't do. Our part is just to believe what he said he's going to do, he's going to do. Are you with me? So he says, well, I'll, I'll help you do what you can't do to fulfill what I want you to do and I'll enable my grace, my favour, my influence, my power, my authority. I'll give to you all that you need to do that which I, I'm wanting to do. And they were in a position they could do nothing because they're too old. How are you going to have a kid at 80 or 90, 90 and 100? How are you going to do that? I mean, how do you do that?
And then he says in verse, uh, verse 18, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. That's a promise. Be whom, be, before whom he believed even God, who quickens the dead, and he calls those things which are not as if they were. When God speaks a word, he speaks it on the basis that it's operating, though we yet can't see, or maybe we've not yet entered into. It doesn't change from his point of view. He's put it in action. Are you with me? It's too loud. I'll just talk quieter for you. We'll just get a little bit. Who against hope, he believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. And so shall your seed be. And be not weak. <laughs> be not weak in faith. So he had a strong faith. He had a strong faith that though God had spoken something and it hadn't been performed, he still had a belief in him that said, well, it will happen. <laughs> So against hope, he believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations when they got past being able to have children. They're still going to have children and they're going to be across all the nations of the world. For being not weak in faith, he considered that his own body was not dead. Though it was dead in the sense of being able to have children. He's dead, she's dead, but they're living, but they can't fulfill the word of God. So his faith was stronger than the power of death and failure. He being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body to be dead when he was about 100 years old, even yet in the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not. See, he believed. He staggered not. At the promise that God, through unbelief, he didn't, he didn't enter into unbelief. He staggered not at what God had said, but he was strong in faith. He gave glory to God and being fully persuaded, fully persuaded, that means no doubt that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to him in righteousness. So what, what happened to them? <clears throat> Sarah had a child at 100 years of age and his name was Isaac. And through Isaac, the nations of the world were blessed. The word of the Lord was fulfilled. And Abraham becomes the father of many nations. Hallelujah. Can you say amen today? I mean, this is what he's trying to tell us. He's trying to say, look, when God speaks, believe what he said that he will do because he will do. Maybe there's going to be some time to pass. Maybe there's some time. I don't know. Maybe he's got to do something in me. Oh, God forbid. It's 60 plus, I mean. But has all of his word been fulfilled that he wants to? Well, we'll just have to wait and see. But what do we do in the minute? We just keep believing. Keep believing what God has said. 
is going to do. Are you with me? Could you come with me to 2 Kings chapter 4? About a story, I'd like to talk a little bit about extending your house. Because sometimes in the natural, we might have a house and we think this and that and Maybe the children, as we did, we had two children. Then we had three. Then we had four. Then the house wasn't big enough. Then we had five. So what do you do? I mean, what do you do? I would just keep buying and selling. Well, you would, but you get tired of that. I mean, we, in our married life, we have shifted. We have shifted. We have shifted. How many times have we shifted? How many times? Can you remember, ma'am? Can you remember? Um, About 40 times shifted. (coughs) And I'm still as young as I ever wasn't. And she's worn out. Yeah. (laughs) You can come. Come and you can come and dance. Come come on, come on, come on, come on. (laughs) I'm sorry, I just enjoy church. That's all good. This is like home life, see? Home life is church life. If you can't have fun at home, have it at church. If you can't have fun at church, have it at home. But whatever you do, have fun. Hallelujah. We don't come to church to be religious and bored and brassed off and whatever, angry. We come to church to have fun. We, we, should, we should all get up and have a dance. Come on. Gotta get the church gotta get liberated. I mean, the world's dead. Why do we gotta be dead? Why can't we show them? Why can't we show them? Why can't we show them some life? Some life. Give them some life. Well, I'm trying. (laughs) Do you say you want to come for a dance? <laughs> I'm all done. Oh, no. <laughs> what I often do with these is when it gets down to a certain level, I share it with the congregation. <laughs> <laughs> Two Kings chapter four. The backdrop of this is a man called Elisha. He's a prophet. He's traveling through community. And he stops at this place. And a woman and her husband have him in for a meal, backwards and forwards from time to time. And then this woman says to her husband, I, I think this guy is a prophet. We, we should add on to our house. We should extend it so that we can give him a place to stay when he's passing through here, doing the work of the Lord. That's what we should do, husband. And so they agreed. And they added on to their house to accommodate God. And in this instance, Elisha. Elisha appreciated that. He had a servant, his name was Gehazi. 
who went with him wherever he went, did with him whatever he did. And Elisha says to Gehazi, what can we do for this woman and for this house since she so blessed us? What can we do? Gehazi comes back and says, well, she's got no family. No children. Well, bring her in. So Elisha says, excuse me, lady. Thank you for everything that you've done for us. But in this season, in this season, you are going to have a child. <laughs> Don't tell me something that can't happen. See, this is another impossible situation. But she had made room for God here. And the reward coming back to her that she was going to have a child that she could never have. And she has this little boy. And he grows up, I imagine his age is around 12, 13, 40, somewhere there. He's out working with his father. And all of a sudden, oh, my head. Oh, my head. My head. Father says, send him back to mum. Gets back into the house. She says, you need to lie down and have a rest. So he did. And he died. That's like a vision. This little boy became her vision to life and her purpose to life. It was something very important to her. Now not only had she received it, but she's now lost it. How do, you, how do you feel today about something that God's spoken to you and promised to you and maybe you've had a bit of a taste of and somehow the thing's just gone dead and there's no life in this, this child anymore? So <clears throat> this woman says to her husband, give me a donkey. I'm gonna go and find that man of God that promised me a child which is now dead. Uh, and so she chased. She chased after. Came to Gehazi on the way, and Gehazi said, Is all is well? She said, All is well. Uh, where's that man? Uh, then she found Elijah, Elisha. She got to Elisha. She grabbed him. She grabbed him. She grabbed him by the foot. She said, I'm not going to let you go. You're not going to go anywhere. You're not going to go anywhere. Listen here. You come with, you come with me. God. You're coming. You're coming with me. Because what you said I can have, I've got. And now it's dead. And you're responsible. You better come. And you better, you better, you better fix this. And she wouldn't accept that it was dead. Elisha comes into the house, raises him up from the dead. Now they leave town because there's a famine in the land and they can't keep living where they are. How am I for time? Part two next time. Okay. God bless you. Thank you for coming today. <laughs> Is it helpful to you? 
Then you go to chapter eight. One day, Gehazi was in talking to the king. And he started telling her a story. He said, there was this prophet used to come through here. There was this woman who had no children. And he prayed for her and she had a child. And this child died on her. And then she came and she brought him back. And Elijah came back to the house and brought resurrection. And he now lives. And just as the Gehazi finished saying that to the king, in comes this woman. Can you imagine that? Can I say this? When God speaks a word, he speaks to the beginning and he speaks to the end. He spoke to here and he spoke to there. If we don't get to the end, we don't enter into the total fulfillment of that. So continue to believe until you get to the end. Are you with me? So then the lady comes in. And this is a word for some of you right now. Sits before the king. And she said, I've come to ask for my house again. Because while I've been out of here in a famine, somebody's taken residence in my house. They might have even taken owners, I don't know. So the king said this. Got out his pen. Restore to this woman the property that she had seven years ago and beyond. And all of the fruit and all the income that has been made from that land over that seven-year period where she has been out of this place in another land because of the famine is to be restored to her in total so that there is no loss. Yes, restore, restore, restore to her all that's been lost. So who is that here today? Just raise your hand. Yeah, well, look at that. Yes, well, any more? Yes, well, there you are. Do you have prayer lines? You, you pray for people in this church? We've got time for that? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Will I bring them up on an altar or not? Hallelujah. There's a restore. This is a time of restoration. I know what God's promised you as an individual or as a family, as a man or as a woman. And maybe, it's already been referred to, maybe you've ended up as being a child as a, with a mum, a single mum, just a mum. So what? <laughs> You're part of the family. This is family. There's no, there's no difference here. It's family. So I want to ask, I want to ask maybe if we could all stand for a minute. Can we do that? Hallelujah. This morning, I don't know you as a people, but what I'd like to know is does everybody know the Lord? If you don't know Jesus today, I want to just speak to you to ask you this. If you don't know God, you don't know Jesus the person and you've not given your life to Him as the person who can save you from eternal hell, 
and you'd like to do that today, I'd like to pray for you to receive Jesus Christ, that the Kingdom of God will be established in your heart and you would have eternal life with Him. Is there any this morning you don't know Jesus? Is there anybody this morning you don't know Him? Would He give your life to Him today? Yes, yes, that is. Hallelujah.